Hello, and welcome to the 87th episode of the iRace We Gamble podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Alex Crum, and I'm joined again by Josh Simer. We are back from the Glen, a few weeks out from the last podcast, but ready to uh, kind of zip through this and... You know, we'll do a little recap from the Glen, which we obviously were at since it's right in our backyard. And then uh, we'll look at the last race of the season and kind of see what we're thinking about playoffs here. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we're probably not going to touch too much on Michigan and uh, Indianapolis, but needless to say, it was was impressive that the the two surprise winners happened with Busher getting his second win back to back, holding off Truex. And then uh, Michael McDowell showing up on the road courses all of a sudden. We saw that at Watkins Glen as well. But we'll talk about all that later. Uh, first, I do want to mention a couple like news items slash rumors running around right now. Um, relevant actually to this part of the schedule. Uh, Indianapolis is likely going back to the Oval next year, which I think is a good call. The way this car races on road courses is pretty terrible right now. So let's go back to the oval tracks where we've convert, you know, where they've traditionally been ovals in the past, I guess is what I'll say. So like Charlotte Roval, maybe we don't need to do that. Maybe we just go back to just doing Charlotte Oval until we figure out the road course package. What do you think? Does that sound reasonable? Oh, uh, after what we just saw at the Glen, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I figured you'd be on board for that. Um, and then for Watkins Glen, um, hopefully if they do figure out a package that does work for there, uh, that race might get moved into the playoffs, which actually, now that I think about it, makes a lot more sense if the Roval's coming out of the playoffs. If they want to replace it with a road course so they still have one road course in the playoffs, then they have that if they move the Glen in there. So that would actually make a ton of sense. Yeah, and I think they've... I think it, from a NASCAR standpoint, they're probably feeling like the Glen sells out every single year. It's a great race community. Let's get that going. Yeah. Will be very interesting to see how that goes with bumping up against a potential Bills home playoff game and whether or not that affects the ticket sales or not. Yeah, that's actually a really good call because a lot you're going to split a big sp- Part of the sports audience, uh, knowing how many of the people down at the Glen are Bills fans, basically. Um, I know it would be a much harder sell for me trying to gather a group of people to, to go. That's definitely for sure. Um, so, yeah, hopefully they, they find a way to make all that scheduling work in a way uh, for Western New York and the larger NASCAR community. But we'll see about that next year. Um, yeah, so take, taking Bills out of the equation completely, though, yeah. I love the idea of Watkins Glen as a playoff track. It's the fastest road course. All the drivers seem to love it. The fans seem to love it. Um, just speaking from experience, the NFL isn't going to give a flying fuck what NASCAR wants to do. They're going to set their schedule the way they set their schedule. And uh, obviously, the NFL schedule comes out after the NASCAR said schedule is set in stone. Um, I probably don't think it would affect it from being a sellout, um, but it definitely it definitely could be a hindrance. But I think as far as just NASCAR is concerned, having Watkins in the playoffs would be great. And also, for me personally, with the whirlwind that August is every single year, I would absolutely love to see Watkins in <laughs> September. Yeah, yeah. I think um, 
really I don't know if they could actually make this work. Um, but if they were like, hey, we don't want to go up against uh Sunday NFL and we don't want to go up against potential Bills games, put the race on Saturday. There's nothing wrong with putting the race on Saturday. Like you can it doesn't have to be a night race to be on Saturday. Like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Do Friday night uh Xfinity, maybe a Friday midday Arca. Friday qualifying for Cup. Make people will probably take a Friday off in September for that kind of a weekend. You know, do a little Friday Saturday jaunt. Yeah, I would think so. So, if I feel like I know enough people at Watkins Glen that I should actually yell at someone, but I doubt that would get far enough up any chain to affect anything. So, <laughs> it'd just be me yelling into the wind. Uh, anyways, in other news, um. Noah Gragson was being a complete idiot on social media, so he uh, ended up leaving Legacy Motor Club. They've had numerous different uh, substitute drivers like Josh Berry and Mike Rockefeller on the road courses. So, uh, But with Legacy Motor Club going to Toyota next year, um, that probably means a Toyota Xfinity driver is going to get promoted into that ride. So it looks like John Hunter Nemechek's the name everybody's been saying. Um, he's been really successful this year in Xfinity, so uh, he's kind of the best young Toyota driver that seems available. Um, so you will likely see that happen. And then uh, Eric Jones used to be a Toyota driver, so he'll be going back to Toyota. So that's kind of interesting how that all cycled back. All right. Uh, well, we already kind of started talking about Watkins Glen, but uh, Josh, um, what was your big takeaway from the weekend? What, what did you come away thinking? Uh, three things. One, best weather we've had in years. Oh, yeah. Number two, worst race we've had in years. Also true. <laughs> and number three, could it have actually possibly been worse if Michael McDowell didn't have two pit road penalties and then still managed to finish, what, seventh? He, no, he was he running seventh. He ended up like having to retire the car, but he got he was running seventh after both penalties. Yeah, um, it had clearly the best car on the track that day. It was absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, honestly, the uh, the race sucked. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping our first timers at the campsite with us just enjoyed the fact they were at a NASCAR race and getting to check it out. Probably with no point of reference, they thought it was awesome with the noise and the speed and being right on turn two at the bottom of the S's is an awesome little area to catch a race. Would have loved to have seen a little more action in that first turn like we usually get at Watkins, but it was what it was. Um, Gorgeous weekend, great atmosphere, love everything that Watkins Glen does. But, uh, yeah, the race was a snoozer. Yeah. True, true words. Um, it's funny. I, I went back, and because I'm a crazy person, uh, and I had Monday off, I uh, watched the race back uh, on Monday on, like, the regular NBC coverage, just fast-forwarding through the commercials, and was really surprised, like, how much I didn't miss. <laughs> It was pretty like, yep, yep, this was, wasn't was much happening here. I mean, Case Elliott running out of gas, sure. 
Um, that I was did the most exciting the... part of the race. That was the only caution, right? It was. The only caution was Chase Elliott running out of gas in the bus stop. With the weirdest communication, I keep, I've as I've gone back and listened, I keep listening to their like, radio through different like highlight packages and stuff, and it doesn't make any sense. Like The way that they're describing like the pit, how many laps he has to pit, and when he should flip his switch, none of it made sense. Like, And people's interpretations are even different for what they're saying, so I don't even know. It's, it's weird. Um, but yeah, they, that was embarrassing. But one of the other things I noticed when I went back and watched was that we actually saw the pass for the lead happen, or pass for the win, I should say, happen when uh, McDowell made it past Hamlin going up turn two. He, Hamlin tried to hang on going into turn three, but couldn't hang on to the car trying to stay with McDowell, and Byron passed him. And Hamlin never got back by Byron the rest of the race, so that was basically what decided the win was that pass, and that was really early in the race, which speaks to how little passing there was, but um, it was interesting seeing that on that replay. I was like, oh, shit, that was the pass for the lead right there, wasn't it? Um, so, yeah. Good time, though. I enjoyed... I mean, the company was great. The, the The weather, as you said, was really amazing. I mean, we had some weird... Uh, missed that uh, you missed out on on, on Friday night, um, but it wasn't bad, honestly. It made uh, for a really cool, easy time sleeping Friday evening, um, so that was actually kind of nice. Um, just couldn't play quite as many field games uh, in the like little bit of rain that was going on, but that was okay. Still had a great time. Really happy that people could make it and uh, that we could all have a have a good safe trip. All right. Should we move on and talk a little bit about playoffs before we draft for Daytona? Because honestly, Daytona analysis is you you decide. I mean, if you want some kind of like betting advice, I did listen to Dirty Mode Doe, and I would say they break it down pretty well in terms of what strategies to go for, head to heads, top tens, things like that. Um, but I'm going to let them cover that, and we're just going to do a draft for Daytona. Um, but playoff wise, uh, Pretty much set the picture. We got 15 drivers in. We got one spot open, currently occupied by Bubba Wallace. He's 32 points up on Ty Gibbs, which would mean he needs to have a terrible day, and Ty Gibbs needs to have an amazing day in order for uh, that switch to happen on just points. Um, but the more likely scenario that would get Bubba Wallace kicked out would be if any of the 16 drivers on the outside of the playoffs win. Um any any one of those guys win and they're in, uh, and that knocks Bubba out. So, w- what jumps out to you at this whole like overall playoff picture? Just you know, sort of knowing what the bubble's going to look like. We got fifteen guys kind of hoping to maybe get playoff points, but that's all they're racing for. Uh, my money goes on Bubba gets in, but I can see the ninety nine, the fifty four, the. Two or the ten sneaking their way in. Mm. What about the forty-three? No, no. Okay, don't think he can get the win. No, just not his year. All right. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree. It seems like that's kind of the prevailing thought right now is that Bubba's going to get in either with a win or just on points. Um, but. 
it seems like most people are saying his strategy should just be to run it up front and try to win so that he has some kind of say in the outcome. Because you don't want to be running 10th with like the outcome of the race happening in front of you and one of your contenders beating you because you were too tentative. Like, don't want to lose that way, I think, is, is how I put it. So, yeah, and you don't want to be in mid pack if the Daytona wreck happens. Yeah, exactly. Being out front is kind of the safest place to be. It's just making sure you get there safely um, or stay there safely without too many crazy blocks. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, Truex and Byron are kind of the favorites with 36 and 35 playoff points. The next closest is Hamlin with 25, uh, and then Larson with 19, uh, Kyle Busch with 17. So that's kind of like the mid pack of playoff points. Um, so I expect those drivers should have an easy time in the first round unless they have some big fuck-ups. But, um, yeah, we'll do a full playoff picture preview once we get past Daytona, probably um, do our final four pick or something like that. But should we just uh, move on to the draft for Daytona? Yeah, I think so. All right. Got 160 laps. Uh, 35 stage one, 60 stage two, 65 stage three. Uh, it might be chaos. We don't know. Could be, could be madness. No idea. Haven't looked at, you know, what the what the weather looks like. But I'll let Josh inform me at the end of the pod. We'll preview. Um, holy shit! Who picks first this week? Uh, we did draft for the Roval, so we go back to Michigan, so it's me. Man, I am expert level on this mute button right now because I am mid-sneeze fit, and I don't think a single one has been recorded yet. It's impressive. I haven't, I haven't heard a thing. And I've been noticing and trying to like fill in the like, okay, he's he's trying to sneeze right now. Let me extend what I'm saying. <laughs> Just keep vamping, Crumb. I'm trying. <sighs> I was smart enough to realize I can use my iPad while we're podcasting, which makes the like use like checking FanDuel uh like for building a lineup kind of nice to have it at my fingertips without using my phone. I don't know why that makes it better, but it feels like it to me. I think I might have just unmuted myself for one single sniffle, so if you guys caught that, I apologize. <laughs> I think you're okay. Holy moly, man. All right, let's get into this draft. Where am I going? I am a little bit surprised to see Blaney at the top. I mean, he's always good at these style of races, but... I mean, he also hasn't won one super recently. So maybe they're just picking him for the high floor or making him expensive for the high floor. That's my guess. Yeah, that's definitely possible. And he is not currently... No, he is in the playoffs, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sort of bottom-ish of the pack. Not, uh, well, 10 playoff points, kind of top of the bottom. I don't think that's where I'm going to go. 
I suppose with my first pick in the draft, I'll just uh, start off with my buy low, the guy with the most to lose here. Just give me Bubba. I'll take him as my buy low. That's a smart pick for many reasons. <laughs> just barely sneaks into buy low at the highest price point available. Definitely has a little surprised to see him down at eighty five hundred. I thought they'd have him up at around ten. Yeah, he's. I think he lacks the consistency of the Blaney, but has the upside of the win. But that still seems low to me. I agree. Um, should I go the conspiracy theory uh, NASCAR route and say Chase Elliott and make him my lock and say like, well, he has to win because he has to get in the playoffs. I mean, they need the worm, right? Yeah, yeah. I got to I got to I got to represent the the unheard conspiracy theorist idiots out there, you know. I uh <laughs> hope beyond hope that he is not in the playoffs. It would it would just look so bad cuz so many people would be like, "Okay, especially if there's anything controversial at the end of the race, that would just be such a rough look." I would not. You know, it would make it great though is him to not be in the playoffs and win like three races during it. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Uh, all right, I'm going to go with a guy who's been consistently finishing up front and not getting the win, and is really good on these tracks. And he's going to be my lock. I'll take the six Kozlowski. Um, yeah, so. Six of Kozlowski and nine of Chase Elliott. Those are some nice picks. They also spell out my golf score. Even though I think I got scored as a 70. I'm not going to ask for a stat correction. <laughs> Take my 69. No. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I can definitely get on board with the six. I hate your pick of the nine. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm picking the nine in spite of myself. All right. I'm going to stay on the cheap end of things here, and I'm actually going to take my next two drivers right behind Bubba, and uh, I'm going to take the 2 and the 10. Obviously, the 2 won the 500 here last year. Uh, Almirola, very, very good on these super speedways. The Ford's making a little bit of a push right now. Uh, both of these guys take the win, get in, um, and yeah, I mean, it's Daytona, it's a crapshoot, just pick the drivers who might be racing for something is kind of what I'm looking at at the start of this draft with my first three. Yeah, you're really chomping up the middle of the lineup here, like those three drivers are all priced in the 8,000s, but that's a good way to save money with some high upside, and all the all three of them could win. I didn't mean they have, or, well, Bubba's wanted to Talladega, so. I like the picks. Um, I think it's it'd be smart to go with the RFK teammates, because if Kozlowski does good, Busher should as well. But that's kind of pricey. I'm, I'm spending over 10.5 on three drivers to start my lineup. I might come back to him. So if you steal him, Josh, that that's fine. But I might come back to him. Um, trying to think who I want 
you know what? I'm going to go with someone who's probably not, not going to qualify well, but will probably avoid all the chaos and is the cheapest on the board in J.J. Yaley. Make him my buy low, 4000 Interesting. I do have the uh, 17 here on my board. Okay. For whatever that's worth to you. Um. I see what you're doing, taking the cheapest driver on the docket right here to try to make sure you can put a little pressure on me with my ability to go right back up to the top of the board if I want to. Yeah. Now the question is, do I... now? Because I only took one driver, so I could now just take the 17. <laughs> yes, you could. Uh, but now my, I'm kind of debating the 8 or the 17, because Kyle Busch ran really well here. Uh, for the Daytona 500, so take the Homer pick or take the the team. I think I should probably go with the smart pick. I'll probably probably end up putting like a half unit on Kyle to win or or do something in the race if not win. Um, so I think I won't put him in my Fanduel lineup kind of because of that, and that'll that'll give me with three Fords: the six, the fifty-one, and the seventeen, and twelve thousand budget remaining. So I could I could still fit Kyle Bush in this lineup, I guess. I said all that and then didn't realize I didn't have to pick. But maybe you won't let me. I just keep telling you who I'm gonna pick, okay, Josh? <laughs> yeah, I mean keep going for it. <laughs> um the uh eight is definitely going on to my squad. All right. And I'm just gonna go ahead and round it out with the twenty two. I will lock the eight. Hmm. pains me. I had the choice, though. I had the option. Didn't take him. 22 is smart. I mean, he's expensive, but he's good. He's got every chance. I don't understand. Okay, so here's the thing that really doesn't make sense. Kyle Larson is a thousand more dollars than Bubba Wallace. If there's ever a price swap, that that's it right there. That's such an easy oh, choice. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. I'm gonna go with the hot hand, maybe? Uh, I don't know. Byron, just, he's priced up here, but I don't feel like he really should be up here necessarily either. Uh, Hamlin's always pretty good here. But you can't afford him. You're right. <laughs> oh, I know. Um... To go with McDowell, that's another hot hand for this kind of track. That would give me four Fords. All right, I have to pick a Toyota. Just out of principle. I'll, I'll take Ty Gibbs. I'll take another guy who probably feels like he has to run up front and win. I like it. All right, so you have the 9, the 6, the 51, the 17, and the 54. Yep. I have 23, 2, 10, 8, and 22. Sounds correct. Oh, who was your... Oh, wait, never mind. You had 8 is your lock. That's right. Yep. All right. So, guys, we missed... Um, maybe McDowell, I would say. I like McDowell. I also like um, 
the 19 and the 45. Maybe the 99? Yeah. I was thinking that, too. That There's no the board out. completely open for us. Yeah. Take Denny. Denny? Yeah. That was I easy. like that line up quite a bit. That always happens. Always happens. Yeah, we really clustered in the 6,000 range for that one, too. And then took the JGR guys. Some other names, I guess, worth mentioning. Uh, Josh Berry's driving the 42. Chandler Smith is in the 13. Austin Hill's in the 62. Riley Herbst in the 36. So if you wanted to make a, a whatever the opposite of an all-star squad is, you could definitely make one. Maybe what I'm saying is a non-cup squad. And it, what's the equivalent of an Xfinity squad. And then, uh, despite me thinking he's not going to win, I don't hate. I don't hate the forty-three. If you're building a DFS lineup here, either. Yeah, I think that's a relatively safe pick. Um, and if you want to place bets on winners, then I would say just do half units on like eight or nine drivers, maybe even more if you want to cut it closer, but um, otherwise, listen to Dirty Modo and take their advice. Although they didn't do well in Daytona this year, so maybe don't take their advice. <laughs> Alright. Well, I think that just about wraps it up. Um, are they actually going to race Saturday night, Josh? Do you know? I mean, I have a Hunter's chance at this. The assuming the weather in Daytona is anything like the weather in Rochester, where the forecast is wrong every single day. Um, right now we're looking at a high of eighty-eight, a low of seventy-five, sunny all day, and no rain in the forecast at all. Wow, I love that. Well, I'll see if uh, anyone's interested in coming over Saturday evening after the draft. Maybe Eric will hang out if I can convince him um, or something like that. So, I don't know. We'll see. But we'll catch you listeners next week.